1: As to being human, he was to be the seed of a woman, Genesis 3, of the lineage of David, 2 Samuel 7. And yet on the other hand, he was to be wonderful counselor, mighty God, whose goings forth had been from the days of eternity past, Micah 5.2. Now, how are these two seemingly different sets of prophecies to be harmonized in one person? And the answer is found as described in John 1:14.
0: Pastor Layton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno has been taking us through the book of John for the past couple of weeks and we're still in the first chapter. That's what happens when you're going through verse by verse. If you've missed any of the programs from the past, you can find them on the website highlands.us. And open your Bible to that first chapter and we'll find out just how you reconcile those two different perspectives.
1: The one born in Bethlehem was the divine and eternal word. The incarnation does not mean that God dwelt in a man, but rather that God became a man. He became what he had not known previously, though he never ceased to be what he was before. The babe of Bethlehem was Emmanuel, God with us. Now, the apostle could have chosen another word. He could have chosen anthropos, from which we get anthropology, the study of man, mankind, speaking in general and conceptual, but that's not the word he chose. He could have chose soma, which just simply refers to a body, but he didn't choose that word. He chose the word sarx, flesh. The word became literally flesh. And the apostle John does not carry with That word, a negative moral connotation, as the Apostle does in the Apostle Paul's writing. Genomai became does not mean that Christ ceased to be the eternal word when he became a man. It's in the aorist tense. It indicates an action at a point of time. Something happened at a point in time. The word became flesh. What was that point of time? The point of time was the moment of conception in the womb. Human life begins at the moment of conception. Now, just in the last couple of weeks, our government's come out with a change of requirements related to the morning-after pill. The morning-after should give Christians all the information they need to discern the rightness or the wrongness Of partaking that pill. The morning after what? The morning after a possible conception. Life begins at conception. It is wrong to take a human life without biblically justifiable cause. The Word became flesh at the moment of conception. In the words of the 5th century church father Cyril of Alexandria, we do not assert that there is any change in the nature of the word when it became flesh. But we say that the word, in a manner indescribable and inconceivable, united to himself flesh, and thus became man, and was called the Son of Man. The natures which were brought together to form a true unity were different, but out of both is one, Christ and one Son, We do not mean that the difference of the natures is annihilated by reason of this union, but rather that deity and manhood, by their inexpressible and inexplicable concurrence into unity, have produced for us the one Lord and Son, Jesus Christ. This brilliant 5th century church father, Cyril of Alexandria, could only describe the incarnation with words such as indescribable, inconceivable, inexpressible, and inexplicable. No wonder the Apostle Paul wrote of the Incarnation, By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. Who was revealed in the flesh, was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Charles Wesley also captured the wonder of the Incarnation in his hymn, his Christmas carol, Hark! the Herald Angels Sing. One of the verses reads, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail, the incarnate deity. Deity is a reference to God, incarnate, in the flesh, God in the flesh. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. You know, sometimes we sing those songs and our minds go back and we don't think about what we're saying and what we're singing. Pleased with men to dwell. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. So although to us the incarnation is indescribable, inconceivable, inexpressible, and inexplicable, the angel described it thus. Is anything too hard for God? Nothing is too hard for God. Of course, some people find the incarnation... So, beyond their ability to comprehend, and they refused to accept what the Bible teaches concerning it, they concoct imaginative, unbiblical ideas. There was a group in existence at the time, the Apostle John wrote this gospel, called the Docetists, who were persuaded in the Greek philosophy that that matter was evil and that the spirit was good, And, and so they argued that... That, uh, that Christ could not have been material. He could not have been a real person. He was instead a phantom. That means when he went somewhere, he didn't leave any footprints because he wasn't actually there. He was just a phantom. Or they would teach a variation where at baptism, the Christ Spirit came upon the mere human Jesus and then left Jesus at the crucifixion, and none of this is biblical, none of these teachings. Later in in another writing, his first epistle, John wrote that any person who did not confess that Jesus Christ had come in the flesh did not belong to God, 1 John chapter 4. And he dwelt among us. Dwelt translates the word skinuo, which literally means to live in a tent, Jesus was not a mere, his humanity was not a mere appearance. He took on all of the essential attributes of humanity and was made in the likeness of men. Made. Philippians 2.7. Hebrews 2 says that since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, Hebrews 2.14, and then he goes on to explain, He had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Hebrews chapter 2. You know, we look back into the Old Testament, we're reminded that God tented with his people as they had their journey through the wilderness. His tent called the tabernacle, was right in the middle of the people. The people camped to the north and south and east and the west. And God wanted, he didn't want to be on the outside edge. He wanted to be right in the middle of his people. So looking back, God tented with his people in the wilderness. Looking forward to the revelation, we are told that God will again tent with his redeemed and glorified people. Revelation 21, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell skinuo, among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. We look back, he tented with his people. We look forward, he will tent with his people again. And we have beheld his glory. Now, the word that John uses here never means, it's never used in speaking of visions. It's always meant to speak. We have seen, literally, with our eyes, we have seen his glory. Now, the thing that comes to my mind is the uh, author's experience on the Mount of Transfiguration. Because Peter, James, and John, this John, the author of this gospel, saw a physical manifestation of Jesus Heavenly glory at that transfiguration when his face shone like the sun and his garments became as white as light. This is a preview of the un- unveiled glory that was to be seen at his return. But it's probable that the author's intention was to describe Christ's revelation wider in scope. The rest of his disciples and others who followed Jesus also saw God's glory manifest through Jesus as Jesus displayed God's truth and wisdom, and love, and grace, and knowledge, and power, and holiness. Jesus revealed the glory of God. Now, in many languages, it's it's difficult to find a satisfactory word or concept to translate glory. Uh, A literal translation would be brightness or shining, and and that's given rise to the idea, the concept of, of a halo or aura around Jesus. And you may have seen pictures where Jesus is doing ministry and he's got a halo around him. And that's an artist's depiction. The Bible doesn't describe any such phenomenon. And uh, it's probable that if that was the case, it would be mentioned somewhere in scriptures. You know, like somebody comes to town. Hey, can you tell me where Jesus is? Yeah, just look for the guy with the halo. Nobody mentions it in scripture. You know, that, that wasn't what the author's intention was to communicate. Instead, he meant to communicate more along the lines of, we saw how wonderful he is, or we saw how great he is. Repeatedly in the Old Testament, we come across the uh, idea that there were certain times when God's glory was visible among men. In the desert, before the giving of manna, the children of Israel looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. Exodus 16 Before the giving of the Ten Commandments, the glory of the Lord settled upon Mount Sinai, Exodus 24. When the tabernacle had been erected and equipped, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, Exodus 40. When Solomon's temple was dedicated, the priest could not enter in to minister because the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. When Isaiah had his vision in the temple, he heard the angelic choir singing, The whole earth is full of His glory, Isaiah chapter 6. Ezekiel saw the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 1. The Old Testament, the glory of the Lord came at times when God was very close. The glory of the Lord means simply the presence of God. A detailed study of
0: God's Word is what you get each day, Monday through Friday, here on this broadcast called Study Verse by Verse from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, featuring the teaching of Pastor Leighton Sheely. If you're new to the broadcast, you can find us on the web at Highlands.us. That's Highlands.us. You can listen to past broadcasts when you go there, and you can join with us as a financial partner. You can give safely on the website. Plus, you'll find details about the worship times and other ministries happening at Church of the Highlands. Again, that's Highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us. Come back tomorrow when we'll continue in the book of John and study verse by verse.